Think of the, uh, the gift that God has given to us. And not only has he given us the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, but, but God has gifted his church. He's gifted all of his church. As we, as we turn now to God's word and bring the lights back up so that you can see it, uh, you'll find in your bulletin as well there is an insert. There's a note insert. Uh, looks a little different today. We're, 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 just, we're just trying to be a little artistic now and again. Uh, there's a, now, we're, we are going to be speaking of spiritual gifts this morning. Uh, we'll be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, through 14. I, and I know some of you are thinking that's a pretty big chunk to do all at once. Um, in this uh, series through 1 Corinthians, we, we've started a series, and this is the last in that first set of BP Church Foundations in terms of who are we as a church? Who are we as a church, and what are we about as a church? Um, and uh, in that, we've, we've been using this, the, this picture, we've had, a, we've had the bulletins, we've had a, a booklet that goes along with this, that sort of gives you an overview of, of who we intend to be as a church. And in that, there's, there's, there's a series of four pictures that I want to just remind you again of that bigger picture, and then how this topic fits into it. Before I actually go there, I should say, there's also a kid's bulletin. And the Kids Bulletin actually has a kid's version of a spiritual gift inventory in it. If you, if, if, if you wanted to, well, as we talk about spiritual gifts and wondering what that might look like, there's a, our, 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 our Sunday school director came up with a, a kid's version of a gift inventory. Uh, there's an adult version of one of these on the back table. Also, that booklet that I talked about. If you never got one of those, our, our sort of orientation overview of this, of this whole series, then there are a few of those left on that back table as well. You, you won't need them now. You have, the, you have the study notes, but grab one of those or grab one of those spiritual gift inventories after the service if you're interested in that. Now, um, oh, there's a picture here that I, I didn't actually use earlier in announcements. I think that's the other thing I wanted to speak to. Let's put that up, Ryan. Go ahead. The, we, we had a um, uh, summer of service kickoff yesterday. We're, we're talking about one of the aspects we talked about was serving together. That we are a family, a family of God, um, being changed, a family in Christ together, being changed by God's truth, impacting others by His grace. That we we intend to be worshiping together, growing together, and serving together. And that serving together started out. That serving together started yesterday in in a in a, in a particular way in our summer of service. That uh, in two different locations, here you see pictures from the, the pancake breakfast over in Hawkinson, where for several years now, Brush Prairie Church has, has provided the behind the grill, the behind the grill presence to make that happen as they have sought to uh, meet needs in one, uh, one area or another with, with all the proceeds from that breakfast each year. So here you see some of the folks, Joe, there you are, look at that. Uh, here you see some of, our, some of our folks from our church in all of those 150th anniversary t-shirts. If you don't have one of those, Steve Stout could probably help you with that. And uh, there's a few more pictures as well. I don't know if they're going to come up, but we also, not only did we, did we uh, do the pancake breakfast in the army that was there, but also there was another smaller army involved in a moving. And uh, so we had a crew available. So two different directions. A bigger thing in the community we could help with, and a small in individual need and now we need your help the men's ministry will do this summer of service all summer long every wednesday night we need help from you join us we also need help from you in terms of who could we help we want to come alongside your friend your neighbors there's some practical need that they have that we could serve them 
uh, hopefully in a way that will strengthen just, they ask us, why do you do this? Well, Jesus told us to love our neighbors as ourselves, and you are our neighbors. And if we can just, just strengthen or, or raise that, that gospel witness in your neighborhood, we would be delighted to do that. So help us, uh, point us to, get us in contact with people that we can help with that. So, in terms of worshiping together, growing together, serving together, those are those pains that are on that, that front of your bulletin, that are on that booklet. We are a family in Christ, being changed by his truth, impacting others by his grace. There's the family. We are, we are going to, as a church, we're committed to worshiping together, growing together, serving together. Now, those three, those three essentials, people ask, what should I be doing in the church? A lot of different things going on, and churches can be way too programmatic. What should you be doing in the church? You should be worshiping together. You should be joining. The, the Bible tells us not to forsake that. We should also be growing together. We, we, we worship not merely to attend. We intend to be growing together with other growing believers. Is there a place where you are involved life on life with others? Growing in ways, discipling and being discipled in ways that you can't in the whole church gathered together. And finally, is there a place where you can be serving together with others? Now, all of these three, worshiping together, growing together, serving together, all of these three uh, uh, all take place, they overlap together certainly, and they all take place in the realm of our spiritual gifting or the ways that God has gifted his body together for our worshiping together growing together and serving together. So this is the reason that we wanted to jump ahead in Corinthians after those first four chapters before we left this foundation of who we intend to be as a church. We wanted to bring in, if we're going to be serving together especially, how do we do that in light of spiritual giftings? How God has gifted his body for the good of the body as a whole and the good for others around me. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, that we have been spiritually gifted for spiritual growth, the spiritual growth of the church as a whole, spiritual growth individually. So open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this morning, you're using, I invite you to use one of the pew Bibles in front of you. I want you to be able to open the page and, and see where we are in God's Word, that I want your confidence to be in, in, in God and what He has said, not in me. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you would find that in that pew Bible on page 959, 959. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now there is a, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14 all go together. They are all on the same topic of spiritual gifts. That's three chapters devoted to a topic. It must have been important. This is the area in chapter 12 and verse 1 where Paul says, well, now concerning, and he moves to a new Topic. That's why I can really almost interchange these in order because he's now going through one topic after another that the church has asked him about. So now he's going to respond to their questions about spiritual things, spiritual gifts, or perhaps so-called spiritual people. And as he answers this, he, he, there, there's one gift in particular that seems to be the real issue in Corinth, and that's the gift of tongues. Now, the reason that's obvious is there, are, there is a series of lists, and uh, as he narrows the focus, you'll see tongues continue to emerge there. But, but Paul doesn't start off making a big deal about tongues. He actually gets to the root. He actually gets to what are spiritual gifts about. And that's what's really going on. The problem in the church in Corinth is not merely that they're emphasizing a particular gifting. 
The problem in the church of Corinth is that they are not emphasizing what spiritual gifts have been given by God to his church for. And that's what I want to look at this morning. How are giftings supposed to be used to what end in the body of Christ? That's our goal this morning, not to focus on a particular controversy, but to follow God's word concerning how do we put our spiritual giftings to use for God's glory in his church. Lord, would you help us this morning? Lord, would you open our minds and our eyes that we might receive wonderful things from your word? Lord, would you uh, use your word, Father, to examine us? Lord, our own motives, our own serving. Lord, even that desire that we might have within us to attract attention to ourselves or to know how we can best or most favorably present ourselves to people around us. Lord, rather, would you, would you give us humble hearts that have graciously and gratefully received from you and that we might share, that that might overflow out of us to people around us, people right here in this room, that we might minister and serve one another, that that kind of graciousness might so permeate our body that it leaks out from us to people around about us. Lord, that you would be glorified in this body. Lord, speak to us now through your word. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. First thing I want to urge you to do in chapter 12 is to faithfully embrace your unique gifting. If I could, if I could get, grab some key phrases for each of these three chapters, that the, we, are, we are uniquely gifted and diversely gifted to use those gifts in love, chapter 13, for the building up of the body as a whole, chapter 14. So uniquely gifted or diversely gifted, to be used in love for the good of others, for the good of the body. That's where we're going this morning. So first of all, then, faithfully embrace your unique gifting. Look at the first couple of verses. Now concerning spiritual gifts. Brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans and you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led, therefore I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. First of all, the, 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 there's a focus in, in, in those first three verses that, that focuses on not, not a particular gifting, but the outcome of it. By the Spirit of God, you, you were brought from a place where you did not know Christ or rejected Him as Savior to a place where you received God's grace in Christ for yourself, to a place where you said Jesus is Lord. Now, it doesn't mean that nobody could mouth those words if they're not saved, but you don't mean them unless the Holy Spirit has illumined your understanding, unless the Holy Spirit has drawn you to faith in Christ. You do not say those words and mean them apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And so the working of the Holy Spirit is seen in the fruit rather than the activity, the outcome. It's not, so much, um, um, it's not so much speaking, and this kind of hints towards tongues already, it's not so much speaking, but what you say. You can also adjust that a little bit. It's not so much about being busy, but it's about what you are doing. Our culture has done a weird thing with busy, hasn't it? How are you doing? Well, I'm keeping busy. Well, that's a good thing. Then by and large, if you're busy, if you're busy it must be good. Well, it depends. What are you being busy about? Are you being busy about the right things? That could be a good thing. Still, too busy in good things might be a, a bad thing. But we easily, it, 
focus on activity. And activity, if it's spiritual, doesn't necessarily mean that's a good thing. That's an early setup for what Paul's going to do in the rest of this discussion. So then he goes from there, verse, verses 4 to 7. Let me read those. That, that, that gives us a principle for the chapter. There are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service or ministry, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God. Now we have God, we have the Lord, we have the Spirit. You can perhaps see the Trinity there. The same God who empowers them all to everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To each one is given a manifestation of the Spirit, a diversity of the Spirit. Different gifts, different kinds of ministry are given throughout the body. We are not all gifted the same way. There, There alone, we shouldn't be emphasizing one gift over another because God gifts his body in diverse ways for the sake of all. And it is for the common good. So, as you see, there, there are going to be lists of giftings that are, that are um, in this chapter. And it starts with, in fact, the next verse, the, the following verses here give some of those giftings. Verse 8, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each individually just as he wills. And there's a whole list of different gifts And I want to talk about those lists. First of all, the lists change. We start with nine gifts. Further on, at the end of chapter 12, we have seven. We get into chapter 13, there's five gifts listed. Later on in chapter 13, there are three. You get to the start of chapter 14, there are only two gifts, prophecy and tongues. You get down into chapter 14 further, and there's just tongues left that's being discussed. So he's narrowing the focus down to a particular issue that was at Corinth. But it tells you something else. There are giftings listed here that are different than the ones listed in Romans 12. They are different than the ones listed in Ephesians chapter 4. So in those three different lists of giftings in the church, they're different lists. There's a little bit of overlap. Just a little. What that suggests to me is that this this list is not exhaustive. Now, I provided for you an inventory. I've said you can answer these questions that best try to describe yourself so that you could know, have a sense of how you are made, how God has created you, how he has gifted you so that you can serve within his body. But let's not get too carried away. What if you're gifted in a way that's not listed? Because we don't know that these, these, gift, these gift lists are exhaustive. I don't think that's the point of them. The point of the passage is that we are gifted in diverse ways. That's the point. It's not meant to be an exhaustive catalog or descriptions. We spend a whole lot of time trying to nail down, well, this gifting is this as compared to this gifting, which is this, and we we work all these fine-tuned definitions based on the original Greek meaning of the word. That's a lot of fun, really. It is. But that's not the point. His point is we are gifted differently to the same purpose. Embrace the different ways that you're gifted. And in inventory, for instance, and in the front of that inventory, there's some definitions suggested for. What do these names of giftings mean? And that's helpful for us. But Peter 
when he boils it down, Peter puts it this way. Peter divides spiritual gifts into two. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10. 1 Peter in chapter 4, verse 10. You can turn to it. You don't need to. I'll just read, read it. He says, as each has received a gift, he assumes, like Paul, that believers in the church are gifted. Use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So we're gifted differently. We're all gifted. We're gifted differently. Use the gift as good stewards of what has been given to you. Whoever speaks as one who speaks the oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. There it is. Peter has two categories. There are serving gifts and there are speaking gifts. And you could take all these other lists and you could divide them down into those two categories. So defining the gift isn't so important. Know that you're gifted. Know that you have been divinely enabled by God himself through his spirit so that you can serve him for the good of others within his body. That's the purpose. That's the thrust of chapter 12. That we have been divinely gifted for that purpose. And he illustrates within the body. He uses the, a body metaphor, a physical body. Look at, uh, look at verse 12. Verse 12 of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For just as the body is one, has many members, and all the members of the body through many are one body, so it is with Christ. For if one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now we could, we could get distracted by what is this thing called the baptism of the spirit. What he's talking here is this is, this is not some second extra spiritual blessing. This is something that is true for all who are part of the body of Christ. By one spirit, we have all been baptized into one body. Okay? You might want to make some other emphasis, but for now, for the discussion, he's talking about this is true of all Christians. And, and his point there is that we're all part of the body of Christ. The body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, you know, foot would say, you know, the hands, it's, it's more delicate, it's better to look at than feet, you know, we cover those. Uh, it can move more, it can grab things. You ever try to grab something with your toes? It's just not as easy, is it? Um, most of us, our toes are not as long as our fingers and uh, just doesn't work as well for grabbing. Maybe some of you are a little more skilled in that area. But, you know, but, and, and so the foot could say, man, I am not a hand. The hand's where it's really at. I might as well just leave. Just cut me off. Be done with me. No, that would be silly. Likewise, the ear should not say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. Oh, the eyes. The eyes are beautiful. You look at somebody, you look them in the eye. The eyes are the windows of the soul. An ear is just an ear full of wax. And maybe hair growing in there. Why is that? Uh, you know, an ear can say, man, the, 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 the eye has those pretty eyelashes, and I've just got this fuzz growing here. It's just not right. But the eye needs to see, and the ear needs to hear. And the body is better for both of them doing what they both do. If the, eye, if the ear were to say, I'm not an eye, so I'm not worth staying in the body, I might as well cut myself off because it's only eyes that really matter. Well, where would the hearing be? 
Let me give you an illustration from Africa. Did you, did you know, have you ever noticed in wildlife films and stuff that you normally see zebra and wildebeest together? There they are happily out on the African savanna before the lions come and eat them up, you know? And there they are. They're all hanging out together having a good time and zebra and wildebeest seem to get along. Now why is that? I know why. Zebra and wildebeest migrate together for a couple of reasons. First of all, zebra see better, but wildebeest smell better. It's not that they smell better. Wildebeest stink, actually, but, but, but they can smell things better than the zebra can. And so if the lion is upwind, the, the, um, the, the wildebeest would smell them long before the zebra saw them or heard them. You see, they, they, and yet if they're downwind, the zebra will see them long before the, um, long before the, the wildebeest would ever see them. They can't see so well. So you see how different giftings come together for the good of the zebra and the wildebeest together. Not only that, but I'm told, I haven't really checked this out, but I'm told that the zebra tend to remember migration patterns better than the wildebeest do. The wildebeest would just jump in anywhere. The wildebeest would get lost without their, without their um, map finder friends, the zebra. On the other hand, ze- uh, uh, the, the wildebeest, because they smell better, guess what they can also smell? Not only lion, but they can smell water. So the wildebeest can smell water and they can go towards it. And so if you're the zebra, you might run out of water on the trail because you know the trail, but you don't remember where the water is. Wouldn't it be nice to have a friend along who could smell water? So the water, when the water hole that you remembered was dry, you know where to go to find some. There's the world. So they, they, they work out together. You get the picture. A diversity together. Now, I'm also told that, that predators seem to prefer wildebeest meat to zebra when they have their preference. So that might be why the zebra hang out with them also. You know, the old saying about a bear, I don't have to outrun the bear, I just have to outrun you. Too, too often, that's also true within giftedness in the body, isn't it? It subtly somehow becomes more about me than the good of the whole and my advancement above everything else. And if I can benefit others as well, but I'm especially concerned about me. And our model in Christ, crucified for us, is to be especially concerned about others. So then... I've been gifted. And like the example, the metaphor within the body, I need not deny my giftedness. I need not downplay it with false humility. Martin Luther said, the sun does not say that it is black. The tree does not say, I bear no apples or, or pears. That's not humility. If you have gifts, you should say, these gifts are from God. I did not confer them upon myself. One should not be puffed up on their account. If someone else does not have the gifts I have, then he has other gifts or she has differing gifts. If I exalt my gifts and despise another, that is pride. The sun does not vaunt itself, though more fair than the earth and the trees, but says, although although tree you do not shine, I will not despise you, for you are green and I will help you to be green. Isn't that just deep theology from Martin Luther? But we don't despise one another's gifts. Rather, we will assist one another. We will give for the sake of others within the body. All the members of one body need the diverse workings of each member for the good of all. The body needs your gifting. 
you need to put your gifting to use. As each one has been gifted, Peter says, put it into use as good stewards of God's grace. Now, don't confuse gifting with office. As you go through something else about these lists, there's different lists of gifts, right? There's, there's the, this gift of prophecy, and there's this one and that one. Don't confuse the gifting with an office. Let me give you a couple examples of this. Um, the gift of prophecy, you see it clearly in the Old Testament prophets. There you have prophets speaking authoritatively and inerrantly from God. You see that among the apostles as well. And yet here in 1 Corinthians, at chapter 14, he's going to give instructions that if some prophesy in the church, let two, maybe three at most, and then let the others listen and discern and make sure that what is being said is in agreement with God's truth. It doesn't sound like people were doing that with Isaiah. They did it with Paul, but they, when they did it with Paul, Paul was right because Paul was, was, was an apostle and he was speaking for God. And yet the prophetic gift most simply is this. By the direction or guidance of the Spirit, speaking truth that is in agreement with God's word to another person for their good. Basically, that's it. Now, you can elevate that up to the prophetic office in inerrancy. You can bring it down a little bit to, say, preaching in the church, where by the direction, hopefully, you have prayed for me, I have also prayed, the Spirit has directed me in the things that we are talking about this morning, so that needs in your heart that I'm not aware of are being spoken to by God through His Word. That's an exercise of the gift of prophecy. Have you had that time where somebody has said a word to you? Maybe it was quoting a scripture. Maybe it was something that was in agreement. It was the truth of scripture, even in their own words. And it was just what your heart needed to hear. And you recognize that that was from God. God sent them to tell you that. I hope you've experienced that. I hope you experienced that here within our midst. I hope the Spirit guides us together in how we encourage and exhort and, and call one another to faith and how we teach one another that that's happening and that it would be the gift of prophecy or knowledge or wisdom, etc., in this church happening one to another. Don't confuse the office with the gifting. Many of you who are not pastors have a pastoral shepherding gift. And you should use that in leading and shepherding others. It doesn't mean that you're the pastor. You don't have to be a prophet to exercise the gift of prophecy. I think you get the sense of that. So we are all uniquely gifted. Embrace, faithfully embrace your unique gifting. That this is something God has made me. Now, what is it? Well, you got a spiritual gift inventory. I gave you a couple of questions last week. Let me reiterate them. Those were, first of all, what is most important in a church? When, you, when you're looking for a church, or, or what, what should every church really be about? This is important. And you would have different answers. In this room, if we took a survey, we would have different answers. It's not because some of us are confused and some of us are right. Well, that could be it. But, but it's, it would also be because we, 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 we each might emphasize different aspects of things that all should be true within a church. And we have a particular sensitivity to some of those things. That's how God has gifted us. When you notice what our church really needs to be doing is, that might be be a, an awareness, you might see a need based on a sensitivity that God has given you that is in line with your gifting, and so jump in there. 
What could I do to help? How could I support you in, in, in stepping into that thing that God has shown you? Chances are he didn't show you just to tell me. Okay, now that might be it. It might be that you're supposed to add stuff to my to-do list, but chances are God has given you a spiritual awareness and sensitivity of something because he would graciously use you there. Now you're saying, well, I'm not bringing up any suggestions. I'm not volunteering any observations now. I see the way this works. That's the way it ought to work. And that's not obligation. That's not burden. That's opportunity and privilege. That we're not just putting people into whatever pegs and holes and programs that we have, but rather the the church body is unleashed to function as it ought for the good of all and for the good of others. That good of all is where chapter 13 fits in. Now, chapter 12 is clearly about spiritual gifts, each one uniquely gifted. Chapter 14 is especially about spiritual gifts being used for the good of building up the body. Chapter 13 is about love. Oh, that's nice. This is a pretty intense topic after all, and we should take a brain break in the middle and we just talk about love. Won't that be nice? We'll we'll remember marriage and romance and, and bringing flowers and just all that good love stuff and Valentine's Day, right? Well, last I checked, I mean... Yeah, yeah. Chapter 13 comes right after chapter 12. And you know what else? Careful study has showed me that chapter 13 comes right before chapter 14. It's true. Go ahead. Check for yourself. It's there. Yeah. These all go together, see. We are uniquely gifted to use our gifts in love. And what is it that's so characteristic about love? What is it? What is so characteristic about love is it is not self-focused. Love is other-focused. I hope you you were reminded of that in your marriage vows. I hope you remind yourselves of that regularly in terms of your marriage relationships, of keeping this thing about one another, about the other, rather than about me. Because even in the body, when each member of the body functions for the good of the whole, the, the ear hears the bus coming and doesn't step off the curb and the whole body is grateful, right? The eye sees the tree ahead uh, just off the path and the whole body is grateful for not running into the thing, right? So also we serve for the good of the body as a whole and the whole body benefits from the functioning of each individual part. The eye doesn't serve itself merely. When one little part of the body begins to serve itself merely and draw energy from the body for itself, what's that called? It's called cancer. That's called cancer. When one thing begins to grow and feed itself off of the rest of the body, that's called cancer and it needs to be excised. It needs to be cut off because it'll ruin the body as a whole. These things are given for us so we can grab hold of what's being talked about here. The members of the body are to serve the whole body, not for themselves. And so then, when, when we speak to tongues, verse chapter 13, of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all that I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Interestingly, I gain nothing. Seems like, well, wait a minute, Paul, that's not the whole, that's not the purpose of the thing to begin with. Exactly. 
Exactly. Our gifts are given to be used in love. He says, I'll show you a more excellent way. Better than seeking the best gifting is seeking the best use of your gifting. Rather than the eye trying to hear better, the eye should focus on seeing. Rather than the ear wishing it could see, the ear should clean out the wax and listen more carefully. The gifts are inconsequential if they are not used in love. It's not about me or what I can do, but it's why I serve and for who. Did you get that? It's not about me and what I can do. It's why I serve and for who. We serve in love for others. Love will self-sacrificially seek the good of others. There's the description of love. Verses, look at verses 4 to 7. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love is the fruit that is produced as the church grows and is perfected. And that's the aim that gifts are serving toward. So then, faithfully embrace your unique gifting. Use your gifting in love for the, for the sake of others. Use your gifting to strengthen the church overall. Look at chapter 14, especially verse 7. I have 14 verse 7. I don't think 14 verse 7 is the one that I want. I want verse 6. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? The point here is that tongues itself, as, as you read through the chapter, tongues itself is not a building up of others' gift. If I speak in another tongue, another language, well, that's nice, it's a language. But there's no express benefit of that spiritually unless I'm also in that language speaking prophetically or a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or words of encouragement or exhortation. If you want to talk about speaking gifts, those only, tongues only helps if some other gift is with it. So it's not about the gift in particular. It's how it is used. And it's, that's when it's used for the strengthening of the church. Look at verse, verse uh, 12. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. That's the purpose of spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts are given for the building up of the church, to excel in the building up of the body. There are, there are greater gifts that Paul emphasizes in this first section, this first half of chapter 14. The greater gifts, the gifts that should be desired are gifts that are sought for building up the church, for building up others. Tongues is a case study. Tongues is not the issue itself, as I described before. Tongues is the case study that arises because the church has not been seeking to build up others. Gifts have been one of those things that draws attention to people. Now, tongues has its own historical purpose, different from the body-strengthening gifts. We actually took time to talk about that in the Sunday school class this morning. I knew we wouldn't have time to do that this morning. If you're really wondering about what this whole gift of tongues thing is about, I gave you some notes on the backside of your insert this morning. So you can look at that later. Later, not now. But the focus on tongues, rather than prophecy, I want to conclude it with an example. In verse 23, if, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and outsiders or unbelievers enter, 
will they not say that you're out of your minds? You're all speaking in all kinds of different languages. I don't understand what I'm hearing. I, see, I hear lots of different, different things being said, but this looks like chaos. This looks crazy. Now, he's speaking in hyperbole. If we're all speaking in all kinds of different languages, it seems very chaotic. Okay. Well, they say you are out of your minds, but if all prophesy and unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, the secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. If all prophesy, what does that mean? If all stand up one after another and tell something about the future? No. Don't think about prophecy merely in speaking about the future. You know, even in Isaiah and Ezekiel and Hosea and Habakkuk and one Old Testament prophet after another, a, a minority of what they say is predicting the future. The majority of what the prophets are saying is speaking the mind of God, especially they're taking the Old Testament covenant and they're applying that to a people several centuries later who still should be living in light of it. They're doing what we do. Taking old truth that God has given in a historical setting and applying it into this contemporary era. And the truth is the same. And so how do we live out and live in that truth in this present setting? That's what the prophets were doing as well. And I said that prophecy was not merely a prophetic, inerrant oracle, but, a, but the exercising of the gift of prophecy, of speaking a word directed by the Spirit of God in some way to another for their good. If we take prophecy at that level, spiritual words of encouragement or help or instruction or confrontation, exhortation, maybe rebuke, spiritually guided words for the good of others. And that happens around here. I watch it at the end of the service. My point is we could be that kind of church. We could be more that kind of church. As you came in this morning, there was something in you that said, what I really need out of the service today is this. Okay. That's valid. But what if I, in faith, will hold that in open hands? And I will say, God, as I come to church and worship today, will you use me today? Will I come with my eyes and my ears open to how can I be used in this body, not for my own needs to be met, but rather for the sake of others? How would God use me to meet the needs of somebody this morning? And as that happens, as we are, are prayerfully sensitive to the, to the Spirit of the living God, and He works one to another within His body, and all are built up, and some of you think somebody else has been reading your mail. And somebody thinks that, how did they know that about me? Who told? But rather, maybe they just were, were sent by the Spirit because the Spirit knew you needed encouragement. The Spirit knew you needed to hear that. Now, they didn't know really why they were sharing that, but that's what came out as you talked together because God is in this thing. You know, I want to be part of that kind of body, don't you? We can be that kind of body that it overflows out of us to the people around us. That they would be blessed by the ministry of God through his body to one another and to them. I want to be that kind of church. We can be that kind of church all the more if we will give ourselves, Lord, use me.
Father, use me to accomplish your good in your body. We'll embrace our unique gifting. We won't expect somebody else to be just like us. We will use our gifting in love for others rather than to draw attention to ourselves or expect rewards or recognition. We will use our gifts to strengthen the church as a whole. And in that, God will be glorified. Let's pray. Lord, even this listing of opportunities to serve that is in our bulletin this morning, Lord, this is uh, something that you would use. But Father, our, our aim is not to fill a program. Lord, would you, would you give us sensitivity? Would you give us open hearts? Lord, is there a place there that, that we should step into serving? If not there, then, then where? But Lord, would you give each member of your body that place and that way to exercise that giftedness that they could grow and be strengthened in the exercising of how you have graced them? And, Lord, that our whole body would grow and be strengthened as a result. Do your spiritual work among us for our good and for your glory, Lord. Let us be sensitive. Lord, let us be willing. Let us not deny in a false humility and and hold ourselves back expecting others to serve us instead. Oh, but, Lord, by your Spirit,